So, this Mavericks team this year, it's honestly an amazing team. It's a really fun team to watch. And it's one of my favorite teams from since I've been a Mavericks fan. I have been a fan of the Mavericks since 2012, which is when League Pass started. I've watched some highlights here and there in at the end of like 2012. And yeah, so I, I really like the, the Monte Ellis teams. So... You had the team um, with Jose Calderon and Sam D'Alembert. And that was a fun team. Mavericks got the eighth seed and they got to game seven against the Spurs. That was a really fun year, really fun team. Then the next year you had, um, we had Chandler Parsons and we traded Calderon and some other stuff for Tyson Chandler. That, that might have been my favorite year because the Mavericks had the best offense in the league. Except then they traded for Rajon Rondo, which is a shame. I mean, I guess on paper, it was a nice trade, of course. I've never actually really talked about that trade, I guess, so might as well. Um, yeah, Rondo, Rondo doesn't really shoot well. And yeah, so in hindsight, you, you know, it wasn't really a great trade. I remember being kind of hesitant about it but at the same time he was kind of known as like a star player so I was really kind of excited about it except that we traded a lot of depth for him like we traded uh, Jake Crowder and Brendan Wright Jameer Nelson which um yeah ru ruined like a bunch of depth for the Mavericks so you know but you know except for that uh it was a fun year and we got Dwight Powell out of it so uh you know I look I look kind of fun Fondly back on that year. But already this season might be my favorite season. Like the offense is... The Mavericks are seriously having the best offense in the league again. So, you know, it's like Monte Ellis with Dirk compared to Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, this might be a little more fun actually. So, yeah, it's it's a young season of course. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, right now it's it's really fun. Um, last year was really fun, of course, uh, from the from the seasons that um, where the Mavericks didn't make the playoffs. It was probably my favorite, even though I really liked the OJ Mayo season, really enough. But that was because it was my first season ever. And right away, they were really serious about making the playoffs, which they didn't do like they almost did. And it was really fun to just see them like play really hard and and. That that made that season made me a fan. So to have last season be almost more fun just because Luca was that much fun. That that's that's saying something. That that's that's saying how much fun Luca is to watch play. You know. And now with three stops, it's even more fun, honestly. And the Mavs are playing so well and, and competing. And you know, let let's go over some some players the Mavs acquired. So Delon Wright, I think he's a great person. He, he has a fun personality and. He plays really hard. He plays plays really fast, and even though a lot of people call him a bad shooter, which makes sense because he he, he shoots like around thirty percent from three. He shot like sixty percent from three this year, which is because he's only shot ten three pointers. He's six out of ten right now, so that's not that, that's not a lot of threes. But he's still shooting efficiently at least, so that that's a that's a good thing. And 
um, he, he doesn't have to shoot a lot of threes, you know. Something that I've noticed is that he he plays better uh, without Luca, honestly. Like, he, he needs the ball in his hands, but Luca does as well. So, you know, he's better with the ball in his hands. And, you know, that's fine. Something that I've also noticed is that um, he, he only really starts when they need uh, guard defense. Which makes sense if they're playing against like James Harden or um, like let's say Mike Conley or something, um, Damian Lillard. You know they they need someone like Delon Wright to to guard the the best guard on that team. You know, so you know he starts in those situations, and I've noticed that um, if they don't need that, then they start Seth Curry because he's just so much better at offense, and I, I like that a lot. I like. Rick Carlisle was being really smart about his matchups and um, the variety of players within the lineup, you know. And whenever they need wing defense, Dorian Finney-Smith seems to start. So, like, he, he guarded LeBron, and I think that's just really smart. And there hasn't really been a situation where, uh, lately at least, where they've needed guard defense. But I think from now on, probably Justin Jackson starts next to DeLon Wright. Like, let's say against the Bulls, for instance, you have Otto Porter Jr., who isn't really a great um, offensive player, but he's still a small forward, you know. So having Dorian Finney-Smith in the starting lineup probably really doesn't make sense. I'd see Justin Jackson start for that. And then, yeah, the long right for Zach Levine. I think that makes the most sense, you know. If they need guard defense, they start the long with Justin Jackson. If they need a wing defense, they start Dorian Finney-Smith and Seth Curry. And I think that way they'll still have consistency within the starting lineups. But still, they have a variety for um, different matchups. Uh, like I said, I've, I've been impressed with the long ride because of that. He's played great defense and he's pretty fast. He goes coast to coast. Um, then Seth Curry... Um, I think he could shoot better from I mean I mean he's still a great shooter but he, he he's able to shoot better. So I hope that happens. Um he he's a great uh playmaker, pretty pretty decent defender, which is nice. Um so then you have yeah Dorian Finney-Smith that I mentioned. Um he he plays hard defense. I think he's really underrated. Some people seem to kind of hate on him because he he doesn't really do a lot on offense. I think, you know, that's kind of fair, I guess, but I, I just really like um, that he seems to be a decent shooter, you, you know, you know not amazing, and, and just the best defender on the team. That That's how I see him. Maybe the long right, but at least the second best defender on the team. Um, I really appreciate it. And he's great at offensive rebounds, which we really need. And he just hustles, man, you know, and that's... That's important. And maybe Justin Jackson is the better player. I don't really think so, honestly. But maybe he is. But he's perfect off the bench. Like, you know, that, that Doc McDermott role that Doc McDermott played, um, I believe, two years ago. That's exactly the role that, that Justin Jackson can play. You know, just shoot a lot, run a lot. Uh, drive drive a lot and then honestly Justin Jackson isn't isn't even a bad defender so he can really shine in that role honestly 
Um, then you know Luca, of course. Luca is amazing. Uh, I was pretty high on him coming into the draft, and then he exceeded my expectations. And then this year, I felt like he could be better than last year, and he's even exceeded that expectation of me. It's just ridiculous. He's he's probably like a top five player right now, and it's just amazing to, to see him play and 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 he's really clutch really fun to watch he, he can create offense he can he can make plays for others probably already my second favorite maverick next to dirk which used to be monte ellis but luca is probably so much more fun and he's a great person as well he, he kind of struggles with his english which is kind of relatable to me <laughs> it's i don't know english is a tough language um when when you're not a native speaker has a lot of difficult enunciations and letters and it's, it's tough to explain but but you know lucas seems to like lately in a in an interview he he didn't know the words for goosebumps and that was pretty funny it's just it's just funny to see that he, he he's still learning english like you know and he's pretty good at english like you, you can really talk to him in english and but you don't really get the best answers out of him and i think that's part like with questions with interviews I think that's part of part of that is because you know he, he still kind of struggles with English like I've, I've seen him talk in, in, in Slovenian and Spanish I, I don't speak those languages of course but you know when you see him talk in those languages um, it seems really fluently and, and really effortless and you know may, maybe he'll get there in English one day but like I said English is, is just really tough when you're not a native speaker it doesn't really roll off the tongue like those other languages like for some reason Spanish isn't like I don't speak Spanish but when I read words and when I when I try to speak those words it rolls off the tongue easier I, I don't know why that is English is just like it has a lot of like it puts a lot of emphasis on a lot of words like the word emphasis like you have to really say it slowly and emphasize it and that 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 makes it tough to speak and yeah, but but that's not the only thing. Of course, Luca he, he forgets a lot of words, but also you know Luca's just focused on winning and and playing. You you really see that, and I, and I kind of like it about him honestly. Like Kristaps is more about talking in his interviews. Like he he wants to talk about about playing better, about his teammates, and about what things are fun about the team and stuff. But Luca he's just he seems to really like like want to want the interview to be over as quickly as possible and it's it's not annoying it's it's just fun actually it's it's just like he he just he just doesn't really like it and he just wants to play and well that's the thing when people ask him like stuff about like how did you win he always says some really easy stuff like i love playing and and i love winning but when you ask him about other players uh then, then he usually gives better answers. And I think that that's really fun about him, that he talks more about his team than about himself. So, okay, so Christoph Sprzingis, he, um, I feel like a lot of Mavericks fans don't really know much about him. And he was pretty hyped at, at the beginning of the season because he's supposed to be this all-star caliber player, you know. Um, and I think, honestly, he, he's playing pretty well for someone who hasn't played in two years who's come off the one of the worst injuries you can have, an ACL injury. For a guy that big, you know, seven foot three, that's huge. And if you suffer some injury like that, 
you're going to be rusty. But honestly, he, he's been scoring like around 20 points a game. And he has like two blocks a game. Like eight rebounds, I think. His, his defense seems to honestly be better than it was in New York. Like he, he didn't always consistently block shots. He didn't always rebound a lot. And I think that's because of the extra weight he put on. And maybe the extra weight is going to um, take time to adjust for him um, in terms of, of playing offense, you know. And, and also, I think being like a second option is going to take some time for him to adjust for. But mostly, Rick seems to like uh, do a lot of catch and shoot for him and not really uh, a bunch of pick and pop. Not really a bunch of post plays, especially. And I... Okay, so the New York Knicks are my second favorite team, which is because I, I kind of wanted like a an, an Eastern team that plays earlier, which is for Europeans a lot more convenient because then they often play at like 1 a.m. on Fridays, which is nice because then, um, yeah, that, that's the earliest it, it gets, you know. Like the Mavs often play the earliest at like 2 a.m., so, you know, an Eastern team was, was nice. And I thought the Knicks, because Madison Square Garden is nice and the fans are really passionate. But lately, because of all the toxicity, a lot of fans take it too far with that um, passion. And I, I'm starting to second guess, wanting to be like sort of like a Knicks fan because of that. And also the, the organization is terrible. But, you know... Um, what I wanted to say is, is because I, because I'm pretty pretty big sort of um, a Knicks fan. I, I've I've watched a lot of Porzingis. You know, I've watched a lot of Knicks games with Porzingis, and I've also watched some national games from the Latvia team. So I think I pretty well know um, how Porzingis plays, and that is honestly like a lot of ISO play. A lot of post play. Honestly, they they did similar things for him, uh, like how Carmelo Anthony played. Like you know, they just give him the ball in in the post, and he often did like face up shots, fadeaway shots, and you know that's really outdated. So you know, it I guess it's not bad for him to adjust and and be more of like a shooter. But you know, Dirk still did it. I mean, they have a whole playbook for Dirk, of course. And I think it's not not a bad idea to implement some of that for Kristaps. I think that will really help him. And I think that means that he like that's not necessarily what Kristaps did, but what I liked what I liked from Dirk, and and I, and I know you can really compare the two, but you know they are they are pretty similar. It's it's just that's just what it is, you know. And what I liked from Dirk is how they often. Um, let him set a screen and then they they gave him the ball and then he gave it right back and that's not something that I've seen Kristaps do and I think if he learns to do that with uh, Luca, that that'll be really effective honestly I'd like to see more of that and I'd like to just see him set more screens do more pick and pops and also more post plays and I've seen some some good ideas from people um, from uh, the Dallas prospect, check him out on on YouTube. Um, uh, I've seen him 
uh, mostly talk about how Porzingis uh, needs to get going in the first quarter. Like they they have to like set up set some plays for Porzingis to like get him going, and I think that's the best thing for Porzingis because they they don't really involve him all that much in the first quarter, and then he has to get going pretty slowly during the game. And I think yeah, getting him going early is what's going to be really important. So then Dwight Powell he hasn't played a lot of games um but since he's been back he's been playing well um you know just being like a rim runner and i'm 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 kind of, i'm kind of a fan of Porzingis and Dwight Powell together because Porzingis plays the four in offense but defense fives and simultaneously Dwight Powell defends fours while playing five on offense i and I think both of both of them are great in those roles because Dwight is a great offensive five, but he's better at defending the perimeter than defending the rim. And Persing is the opposite um, because he he's a great uh, offensive four, but he's not a great perimeter defender, and he's really good the rim protector. So I'm a fan of uh, of that pairing, and then. Maxi Kleber works with Kristaps as well because then you have two shot blockers, two switchable shot blockers, and uh, two guys who can both shoot. It's just that Maxi isn't really a rim runner, so uh, you know both works. You know I, I think Dwight uh, works better, but um, I, I didn't mind seeing Maxi start in in his absence, and then you have. Um, Another center, of course, Boban Marjanovic. Um, I'm a big fan of him. He's really fun to watch. Like, he's instant offense from the bench. Like, uh, from what I remember, Amari Stoudemire being for the Mavs in, in his short stint. And also David Lee. Uh, they both just um, were like spark plugs for in the low post, like how Enes Kanter does, you know. And... I think Boban does really well in that role. And he's also improved his shot. And he's a, he's a pretty good uh, rim protector and a great rebounder. He's just not that fast. So, you know, he can't always play in every matchup, which is fine. So, you know, against teams like the Lakers, who who, all, who, who often play seven-footers who can't shoot, that, that's perfect for Boban to play in. Um. So, yeah, I've been impressed with him. Um... Then we have uh, Jalen Brunson. He's really, honestly, been better than last year already. He he, he seems quicker somehow, uh, more confident, and plays better off the ball, but also with the ball. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been happy with him. So then we have Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about him, I guess. Uh, he gets a lot of hate because he shoots too much. And he plays too much. And I agree with that. But at the same time, he, when he gets going, he's honestly pretty important. Um, and, you know, it's kind of comparable to Wesley Matthews, who I was really annoyed with because he started and he took a lot of shots. And he seemed really important on defense, even though he wasn't really a great defender anymore. But at least they know what Tim Hardaway is. You know, they... They let him play off the bench, and they don't see him as an as as a great defender. So, 
as long as they keep it like that, then I'm pretty satisfied. If he just sticks with his role, you know, I wish he was more efficient and took some smarter shots. But like I said, if he sticks with this role, then it's okay. So then JJ Barea, he made his debut against the Magic. And he's honestly looking looking pretty good. Like, he's gotten an Achilles tear injury, which is, you know, it, it should really, like, um, hinder your explosiveness. And he's, like, 35 years old. Uh, but I guess because he's so short, he, he relatively got, like, a quick recovery. And he... He seems less explosive. He kind of like stumbles a bit, like when he walks or or how you want to call it. And but at the same time, you know, he he hit his shots. He made the right plays. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy with how he plays. You know, and I think it's fine if like maybe Jalen Brunson and and Delon Wright play a little less. You know, so that JJ Breya can play like ten to fifteen minutes sometimes. That that's okay. That as long as JJ doesn't really play like twenty five minutes or more, then I'm really happy with it. I like JJ Bray a lot. He honestly he got us to win against Orlando. Like without him, he the match wouldn't really have won. I think. So you know JJ is really important still to the team. Okay, yeah. So Courtney Lee started in in the first two games, and that that didn't really work. <laughs> and. I'm happy that he doesn't really play anymore. Um, you know, I don't have anything against the guy. He's a, he's a nice guy, and he used to play really well when he was younger. And but you know, he's getting kind of kind of old. He doesn't really shoot effectively anymore. He isn't the defender that he used to be. Um, and this is a really deep team, so I don't really see any minutes for him. Um, then you have uh, Ryan Brokoff, who played like one minute or something and hit one shot which was nice and he he honestly should play more but that's not really going to happen because this is such a deep team so that's unfortunate and then we have um Isaiah Roby who uh as far as I know hasn't really played this season except for preseason he did look good in in preseason honestly and um I would like some minutes for him, but you know, like I said, it's a deep team. So and he gets called up by the Texas Legends, the G League team, often. So you know, he gets playing time. Um, I think that's pretty much everyone. And um, so, okay, Dallas in uh, their first game against Washington, that was a great game. Um, they won. Then, um, then they played New Orleans, which they played well in again. Uh, New Orleans uh, kept kept them in the game, but then in the fourth quarter, the Mavs just like run ran away with it. So um, that was a great game for the Mavericks. Then they played against Portland, and they barely lost. And that was really unfortunate because it was a coach's challenge, you know. And, and because of that, uh, they turned the call around. And honestly. I don't really want. I don't really want to be like the, that. That biased Mavericks fan. So I'm not gonna be because honestly, it it seemed like a foul. Like, I think it was uh, Dorian Finney-Smith tried to steal the ball from Damian Lillard, and yeah, he he got some hands. So that that I guess that was a foul. It's just that that they don't really 
overturn those calls often. You know, so that was unfortunate. And that wasn't really necessary by the refs, I guess. Uh, but, you know, a, a call is a call. And then then Kristaps, you know, they, they, he tapped the ball too far away with the tip-off. So, you know, Mavs could have won that. And that's that's honestly impressive. Portland is a great team. Then the Dallas won against Denver, who has been struggling after that coincidentally. So it, it was really impressive, but maybe not anymore as much. Um, but that's okay. Um, it was still a great win by the bench mostly because Luca and Kristaps kind of struggled in that game, which immediately proved that that we have a great bench and that that um, this is a really deep team. Okay, so then then they played the Lakers and man, that was such a such an intense game, honestly. It it went really back and forth. And the rest were so against the Mavericks, like everything the Mavericks did was a call, was a foul or turnover or and it seems so biased. Like it it often feels that way when you're watching a game, but it's Man, it wasn't really even subtle or anything. It was really, it really felt uh, like the refs wanted the Lakers to win and did everything for it. Um, and that wasn't even really the the moment where Dwight Howard uh, held Seth Curry. They don't really often call that in 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 like the last couple of seconds. So honestly, I, I think that was kind of smart by Dwight Howard to take take some risk. Okay, or maybe not smart, but at least, you know, he, he was willing to take the risk and that's not the worst idea. Um, but it, it was some calls earlier where, like, the Mavericks were squared up, but it was a blocking foul. And where, you know, where, where they ran over somebody uh, who wasn't squared up, but it was still a charge. You know, things like that, where it was just, like, BS calls and... and I think honestly the Mavericks should have won that. So, you know, uh honestly the the Orlando Magic game was so rough, the the Mavericks should have lost that. So, you know, it, you, you could basically see it as like the Mavericks won against the Lakers, but they lost against the Magic and that honestly makes me feel kind of better about it. Um but I was really pissed at that game. Like I haven't been that pissed for a Mavericks game in years. And that's honestly, that when I realized that, that was really fun, honestly. Like, the Mavericks haven't been this competitive where games really mattered in years. And it honestly makes you think, like, it's it's ridiculous how we got Luka and, and got this lucky. And how, how we got Chris Tops for basically nothing. It's it's just I feel really fortunate as a Mavericks fan. And um it's it's just so much fun to watch competitive Mavericks basketball again, you know. And I'm just really happy with the team. I'm really proud of the team. Every single player works and plays hard. And it's really it's fun how it revolves around Luka Doncic. But at the same time it's really a, a team it's really like a deep team where everyone knows their role, everyone plays hard and plays together. It's a fun combination, honestly. I wanted to quickly mention that 
the Siege for Soldiers thing is really awesome, honestly. Of course, I've, I've seen that since I, since I became a fan, but it, it's so fun. I don't really know if other, other teams do that as well. Uh, I think some teams do it, but then don't really give up seats for the soldiers. I think that's that's the most fun thing, that, that, that front court season ticket holders, they give up their seats for soldiers, and that, that's amazing, honestly. That's really an, an American thing to do, where they really, like, honor their soldiers that much but it's honestly a nice thing to do you know i really respect uh those soldiers for their hard work and stuff and and the things they had to go through for their country and it's really nice to see something in return for them and it's really fun because it gets the players like fired up and, and motivated <laughs> And maybe the match wouldn't really have won were it not for the for the Siege for Soldiers night, you know. So I really like that every year. Always look kind of forward to it. And it was really fun this year, again. Um, something I want to talk about is um, about how Luka Doncic might be a top five player. And I really have to go through every player, I guess. So right now... Um, I guess Kawhi Leonard is the best player even though he doesn't really take the regular season that serious and he sits out a lot of games. I think he's still the best player. Then you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. Those are top three players right now. Um, then I guess you have Anthony Davis. And then it's going to be tough. I think already then you you might be able to put Luka Doncic there. You could argue that Kyrie Irving right now is playing better. I don't think he is, honestly, though. But that might be biased a, a little bit. Um, let's say that Luca is definitely top seven. Because then you have Kyrie Irving above him. Um, you could argue that maybe Kevin Durant or Paul George. But, you know, they're not playing right now. So that does really count. Um, maybe Damian Lillard is ahead of Luca, But I, I don't think so either. So, you know... Definitely top six, I, I guess. You know, I think that's the conclusion that I'm going to take. That he's at least top six. No, wait. Yeah, I'm forgetting James Harden. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, yeah, James Harden is definitely better than Luca. So, um, at least top six. I don't think he, then he's top five uh, yet. Um. I used to think that James Harden was pretty overrated because he, he was really bad at defense. He wasn't uh, efficient, but the last couple of years he's he's improved and he's been very efficient and his defense hasn't been as terrible as before. So, you know, I give him credit, I guess. And I think he's, yeah, he's better than Luka. Maybe Luka is better than LeBron, but no, uh, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, Luca is number six, and then Kyrie Irving number seven, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. So then, I wanted to talk about my predictions from the standings, which I made before the season started, but I didn't really get around get around uh, to make a video about it. So I wanted to go over them and compare uh, to how I feel about them now. So. For the East, I had the Charlotte Hornets at 15, and uh, I guess I still agree with that. They have been playing decent, but, you know, they 
they're they're not that deep. They don't have that much talent. So I think I'm I'm sticking with that. Then I have the Cleveland Cavaliers at 14. I mean, they probably stay there as well. Then I have the Washington Wizards at 13. I think they're at least better than that now. Um, so maybe 11 or something. But then I had the Knicks at 12. I mean, they definitely stay there or at least go lower. The Chicago Bulls at 11. Mm. I mean, the East is deeper now. And the Bulls are pretty decent. Uh, but they have struggled. So yeah, 11 is fair, I guess. Then Atlanta Hawks at 10. And the Pistons at 9. So I don't think I agree with that anymore. Um, I think the Hawks are maybe a playoff team. Because um, right now I have the Orlando Magic at 8. But I think the Hawks are better than them. And also I have the Indiana Pacers at 6. But they have really struggled. They're really not that good without Oladipo. And I didn't really expect that. Uh, he's going to come back this season. But it's probably going to be late. So you know... Um, the bases could really fall out. So I think, you know, give the Hawks credit. I think they're a playoff team now. They've, I've predicted them at 10th, and they've definitely exceeded my expectations already. Um, so, you know, the Pistons at 9, Magic at 8, um, then the Nets at 7. Um, I think the Nets could be a little higher, maybe 5 or 6 right now. Um because, you know, like I said, Kyrie Irving is really playing well. From what I've seen, uh, DeAndre Jordan comes off the bench, which I was kind of afraid he would start. So that that's great, because Jared Allen is amazing. Um, so yeah, the Nets are playing def- decently well. Uh, my, Miami Heat at five. Um, I, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I think they're better than the Nets, probably. I guess the Nets are better. Yeah, sure. So maybe I would have the, the Nets at five now. Um, the Toronto Raptors I had at four. They're still a deep team. So sure. Then the Celtics at three. Philadelphia at two. And Milwaukee at one. Yeah, sure. I, I still agree with that top three. Then the West. So just as a reminder, this was my predictions during or before preseason. So, you know, I had the Phoenix Suns at 15. And that's honestly really funny now because they're so good. And... I know it's just a couple of games and they're still the Phoenix Suns, but I think they're at least close to being a playoff team, you know, at least like a 10th seed, you know, they've proved, they've proved uh, that to me, honestly. Okay, well, let's go over the rest and then see where the Phoenix Suns end up, but I have the Memphis Grizzlies at 14, and yeah, they're not that great, they're they're a couple of years away, uh, so they, they stay there. Then the New Orleans Pelicans at 13. Same same thing, honestly. Then the Minnesota Timberwolves at 12. They started really well, but now they're already sort of struggling. So, yeah, I think that's reasonable, I guess. Then the OKC Thunder at 11. They're, they're exceeding my expectations. They have been in a lot of close games, and they've won some tough games. So, but, you know, the West is deep. So 11, 11th is uh, decent, I guess. Then... Kings at 10. Well, the Kings have really struggled, so I don't really believe that anymore. I think the Kings are more like maybe the 15th or 14th seed. Honestly, it's not really going well. They could turn it around, obviously, but, um, you know, going off what it is right now, I, I don't think they're going to be 10th. Then the Spurs at 9, and honestly, they're making the playoffs. It's it's, it's that simple. They have Dejounte Murray back, and they're still a Greg Popovich team. They're going to make the playoffs. 
And then they had the Mavericks at eight. And I think that's kind of funny because I thought I was kind of being biased. You know, I, I really felt that they would make the playoffs, but I also felt that maybe it was my bias, you know. But they've exceeded my expectations by a lot. And I think they they could really get a shot at getting home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, then I had the Golden State Warriors at seven, and they're definitely not making the playoffs. You know, I didn't really uh, predict that injury for Steph Curry. And I thought he would play better alongside D'Angelo Russell, you know. Um, but that's that, that hasn't really happened. Um, so, you know, they, they're definitely not making the playoffs, which is fair because then the Spurs, who I had at nine, they could get in the playoffs. Um, then had the, have the Portland Trailblazers at six. Well, honestly, they've... I think they're worse than I thought because... Uh, Whiteside isn't really a great fit. I mean, they're still a great team, and, and the sixth seed is definitely possible. Um, but I think the Mavericks and the Spurs are definitely better than them. And it wouldn't be... Um, I mean, honestly, if the Suns keep playing this well, they might be better than the Trailblazers. But um, I, I, don't, I don't really want to say that. So I think for now, I, I would have the Portland Trailblazers at 8. So then I had the Lakers at five. And honestly, that's ridiculous because they've they've been so much better than I thought. They're going to be the number one seed, honestly. Especially because the refs have been helping them. So, I mean, they, they're probably going to be first. Um, then I have the Jazz at four. And yeah, I think maybe the Mavericks or the Spurs are better than the Jazz right now. At least four in the regular season. Um, but we'll see. Then the Clippers at three. I think eventually the Clippers will play better. Right now they're, you know, Kawhi is doing a lot of load management and stuff. But, you know, third seed isn't really impossible, I guess. Then I have the Rockets at two. And the Rockets honestly honestly have been struggling. So they'll still make the playoffs and they'll be competitive in the playoffs. And I think that's what matters, you know. They have a lot of talent. and um, But they'll definitely be a lower seed. Um and then I have Denver at number one, which I don't agree with anymore at all, uh, anymore, because you know they've, they've, they're kind of struggling. They could turn it around, obviously, and but I mean I think like a fourth or fifth seed is more um, reasonable. So you know, um, yeah, the conclusion is that I'm not great at making predictions, but at the same time, stuff changes like at the beginning of the season already, you know, everything you thought a team was, it all turns out differently when the season starts. It's surprising, but, you know, it's just a fun season. And I think, like I said, the Mavericks have a, a good shot at being like the fourth or fifth seed. Um, I think right now the Lakers are better. Um, the Clippers, the Jazz maybe. And I guess this... Mm, well, at least those... Those three teams, yeah. I guess we don't really know enough about the season, but Mavericks are definitely not getting a one or two seed, I think. If they do, that's amazing. And uh, But, um, yeah, I think fifth or something is, is, is uh, reasonable right now, which is amazing. I didn't expect that coming into the season. And after, like, a bunch of years of tanking to get to, like, 
almost home court advantage, that would be amazing. Honestly, I, I'd be satisfied with an eighth seed without even playing, which before the season I would have been with like a ninth or tenth seed because then at least they they would have been competitive. Um, but I think with the standards they set themselves right now, uh, at least an eighth seed is is reasonable. But honestly, they can get a lot higher. So yeah, I think that that's it. Um, the Mavericks play against the Knicks tonight. Um, probably gonna stay up for it because it starts at 1 a.m. on a Friday. So that's a nice game. And like I mentioned, I am or used to be, I'm not sure anymore, uh, a sort of a Knicks fan, my second favorite team, my Eastern team. But I've, I haven't watched a single game from them because of how toxic the organization and the fan base is. So I'm, I'm excited to watch them play for the first time to see how they are, um, I guess. But at the same time, not really. But um, yeah, the Mavericks are easily going to win this. The Knicks might be the worst team right now in the NBA. And then they have a back-to-back, which I always think is really fun. Uh, but it might be less fun for the players. But tomorrow they play the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're going to win that one as well. But it won't be as easy as against the Knicks. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for both games. Um, if they win both games, then they will be uh, seven and two, which would be amazing. Um, right now, they're, they're second in the Western Conference, tied second with the Nuggets. Uh, oh, and the Clippers. Um, and yeah, I think if they win both games, they might be officially like second or third. That will be amazing. That's honestly really impressive. So yeah, looking forward to that. Go Mavs. I got two, 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 too much Monte. Monte Ellis, ask the fellas. Food talk trash because they jealous. Laid back from the south. Trying to hack up, I'll make you shut your mouth. Yeah, Monte Ellis.